goes on there. But I want to jump into today's talk. Uh, we're cruising through this, uh, really, this series inspired by the book Win the Day by Mark Batterson and kind of following along with his habits, the chapters, and his, his book that allow us to uh, uh, go after the subject matter. Uh, but today I'm, I'm totally inspired by my oldest daughters. Uh, they're, they're trying to figure out what to do for college. And, uh, you know, they're trying to look at what the curriculum will be, you know, and they were looking at Northwest. And we were having a conversation a few weeks ago where they were looking at Bible classes that would be required at Northwest University. Old Testament was in there. And they saw, they were just looking at the Old Testament books, like, what's the old, like, why do we need to learn, what, what, huh? You know, and, and I'm just totally, you know, the, the, you can't see the color of their face under their mask, so it's all good. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, we were talking along and, uh, about the different books, and they're like, that's a book of the Bible? Yeah, why don't we preach from that book of the Bible? Like, is that even needed? You know, we had some great conversations. I love it. And we're bantering back and forth. It was a teachable moment. And so they inspired our text for today. It's going to be their new Bible, favorite Bible verse and favorite Bible character. We're going to Zechariah today, and uh, we're in Zechariah 4.10 with their new favorite character, Zerubbabel. Now, they, they're like, are you making that up, Dad? No, that's in the Bible, Zerubbabel. I know some of you now are going to try to recommend that name to friends who are having babies because it's beautiful. It just runs off the tongue. Anyway, in Zechariah 4.10, first part of it says, Do not despise small these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Zerubbabel. Say that fast ten times. Anyway, God is great not just uh, because nothing is too big for him. Today we're going to see that nothing is too small. And anyone here been to the Niagara Falls? Have you, like, actually looked upon it? Man, see, I haven't. I love waterfalls, too. And uh, I was reading in the book, and there's accounted this story about the Niagara Falls. In fact, it's where really the, the point and the theme of today, the habit of flying the kite comes from, is from a moment at the Niagara Falls. In the mid-18th century, the only way across the gorge of the Niagara Falls was by ferry every eight days. There was a ferry that would go across, which would bridge the countries, uh, Canada and the U.S. So it's really interesting to, to see that. But on November 9, 1847, a civil engineer named Charles Ellett Jr. was commissioned to build a suspension bridge across the gorge. It was no small task because even finding the narrowest point, it was still an 800-foot crossing, and there were 225-foot cliffs on both sides. So this was no small feat. He gathered around some of his, his friends and trusted people, and they began to brainstorm ways to get the first cable across they thought of a rocket. They came up with ideas like cannons. Um, but it was a guy, everybody needs a guy like this guy in your brainstorming meeting. Theodore Graves Hullett, 
came up with the winning idea, a cash prize for a kite flying contest. Really interesting that like, you know, you have that guy in a brainstorming meeting and you're like, oh, wait, man, that might, that might work. You know, it's like, it, was, it had to have been a moment like that, right? It wasn't long and it was January, 1848, that they decided, they put it out, they decided this may work kite flying contest and they had people, hundreds of kids tried to fly kites across the gorge. It was a 15-year-old American named Homan Walsh who took the ferry across to the Canadian side because of the, the prevailing winds that were happening on that day. And he flew his kite all day, all night, and the string broke. But he waited eight days, hopped on the ferry, tracked down his kite, and kept trying again. And it was January 30th, 18. 48, that Walsh's kite made it across the gorge, winning him the grand prize, $10. Yes, all that work. Can you imagine? $10. That's, I, 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 I'm a geek. I looked it up. I Googled it, and it said that's $100 today, right? But uh, that's a lot of work. I wonder what the ferry cost, right? Did it even pay for his ferry ride? Anyway, the next day, a stronger line was attached to the kite string and pulled across, and then an even stronger line, and then a rope, and then a cable consisting of 36 strands of 10-gauge wire. And that was the day two countries were joined together by a kite. Is that awesome? Started small. It would become the world's first railway suspension bridge, strong enough to support a 170-ton locomotive, transforming the economic realities of both the Canadian side and the American side of the gorge. And it all began with a crazy idea and a kite. If you do little things, they'll, they're like they are big things, God will do uh, big things with little, right? Just that little faith of a string that could stretch over. I look at look at this and I go, man, small beginnings, small beginnings. It just, just takes us doing something. And I don't know, I've heard lots of excuses or lots of reasoning over the course, listening to people say things like, man, I'll, I'll give more when I get more. I've never seen that. I mean, I, that doesn't really happen, does it? Or I'll serve more when I have more time. No, we have to prioritize. We have to make time, don't we? Um, how about I'll step up when the opportunity's big enough? I just I want to do the big thing. But if we're not doing the small opportunities, we're never going to step into the great big opportunities. Uh, the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We can see there in Zechariah. Small beginnings. And our big idea today is how you do anything is how you'll do everything. I don't know if you've heard the story about the bricklayers or the illustration about the bricklayers. I don't know if it really happened, but it, it's, it makes a good point, right? There were some people laying bricks, and somebody walked up and asked them, what, what are you doing? And the first bricklayer said, I'm laying bricks. Thank you, Captain Obvious, right? And then the second person said, I'm building a wall. Sorry if that triggered anybody. 
Um, and then the, the third one said, I'm constructing a cathedral to the glory of God, right? You always got to have the person with that perspective. Three brick layers were doing the same thing, but they were doing it out of a different motivation for different reasons. It's Colossians 3.23 that says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. What's your motivation, bricklayer? <laughs> right? How you do anything is how you'll do everything. So let's do it unto the Lord. It was Jesus who said this in Luke 16, 10. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with great responsibilities. You have to begin. Start small. Think long. Single kite string can result in a bridge that connects two countries. So, man, let's get back to my daughter's favorite Bible character, Zerubbabel. Um, he's the leader of a remnant of God's people that has a God-sized dream to rebuild the temple that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed in 586 B.C. And the first step for Zerubbabel was to begin measuring the rebuild. Right? And that's when the Lord said to him in, in Zechariah 4.6, Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says, Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, we're familiar maybe with that passage, right? We've heard that a few times. The psalmist says in, in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. God wants us to think beyond our abilities, right? Beyond our strength, beyond the, the courage of our own spirit and embrace the courage that we're given with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we're just average at best. But with the Holy Spirit, we've got the X factor, the it, you know, we, we've got what it takes to do anything that we can put our minds to. The Holy Spirit's the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. The reality is God wants us to dream of things that are beyond our ability and go after things that are beyond our resources, maybe our time, talents, or treasures. Why? So that he alone can get the glory when they come to pass. So that we can just stand back astonished and in awe again and say, only by God, in his moving, in his power, was this possible. Well, we can see in verse 7 of Zechariah 4 what begins to happen. Listen to this. What are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Man, what's going on there? Did you hear what happened? All of a sudden, he went from talking to God about the mountain and began to talk to the mountain about his God. What are you, mighty mountain? Have you got to that point in your life before with the mountains that are before you? Talking about flipping the script right there, kissing the wave, 
realizing that the obstacle is the way. That's what's going on here. What mountain are you facing? And are, have, you, have you yet gone from speaking to God about this mountain to actually just like, I tell you, COVID-19, go in the name of Jesus. I tell you, anxiety, worry, be gone in the name of Jesus. I speak to you, depression, go in the name of Jesus. I speak to that job I'm going to get. I don't know what mountain you're facing, but you can speak to that mountain to be moved, and it can move. We serve the God that makes sidewalks in the sea we just studied. We, we serve the God that makes the sun stand still, turns water into wine, and moves mountains according to what Jesus was teaching. It's recorded in Matthew 7, 17, 20. I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Nothing. The bigger the mountain, the greater your faith will become on the other side. Man, I look at that and I just go, why do we need to share our stories? Why do we need to share our testimony? Because it becomes insight, even prophetic insight, if you will, towards the mountain-moving power of God. When we break out of our, our shell and just, man, if God can do this in my life, he can do it again in yours. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word testimony can't be a word without the first four letters. Test. We all face tests. We all face mountains. And your mountain becomes part of your testimony, and that will activate someone else's faith as you share your story. So we read it again. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. A plumb line's a measuring tool, right? An ancient, simple measuring device. And plumb line, kite line, same Difference. God's rejoicing at the first move of our lives as we put our faith and trust in him. So three keys to flying the kite. Let's get practical. Three keys to flying the kite. The first is give yourself a start date. Second is dream big, start small, think long. That's really three things, but it's one thought. Anyway, if you want every day to count, count every day. Thought one, give yourself a start date. Very practical. We, opportunities of a lifetime must be pursued within the lifetime of opportunities. I heard Chad Veach say this week at the Church Multiplication Network conference I was watching online. I look at that and just go, man, yes, that is true. We need to jump on opportunities of a lifetime. Often, uh, putting a start date on the calendar is the best way just to Get ourselves the courage to move and take away our excuses. What are some of those excuses that prevent us from putting a date on it? Uh, I'm not qualified, right? Moses, before that burning bush, I'm not qualified. I'm, I'm horrible in speech, God, right? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I, I'm not ready is another excuse. I'm just 
I'm not quite ready to do that. And it could be something really practical. You know, I'm not ready to run a marathon. Yes, I'm not. I can testify to that. But it's like, you know, but we can become ready. If, if God gives you a green light or a challenge, what if we flip the script and it's, it's go, set, ready instead of ready, set, go? Uh, I'm waiting for the right situation. Oh, I haven't talked to them yet. Just waiting for the right moment. <laughs> Haven't you heard that before? It's like, we need the courage. We need to just say, I'm going to do it tomorrow or today. Let's make it happen. I often have the opportunity to coach those starting new churches through the Church Multiplication Network. It's a, one of our strategic partners that we support. And uh, they helped us start as a church by helping with our funding. And now we help uh, by, by refunding that, by paying back, like giving back to them. But as well, I get to coach new church plants that are starting anywhere around the nation that show up to different coaching moments. I usually do the one that's right here in Seattle somewhere in the fall. And one of the things I'm constantly encouraging the teams there is I'm, courage, I'm encouraging the, them to have what I call like a woe to me urgency. I think we need to have a woe-to-me type urgency as well. That's an urgency to put, like, to get started, to, like, put a date on the calendar and try to work backwards, reverse engineer it to get the thing started because so many people need Jesus in our world, and woe-to-me if we don't begin the work, right? We need to become active in our faith. It's in 1 Corinthians 9.16 where I get this. It says, when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me. Like, woe to me if, if I don't reach out to my neighbor. Woe to me if, if I'm waiting for the perfect timing. Woe to me if I'm not rolling up my sleeves and getting ready with, by serving people around me. I need to be active in my faith. Woe to me if I don't put a start date down. How about thought two? Dream big, start small, think long. Anybody a baseball fan? I know online we have some baseball fans as well. Uh, 2019 Major League Baseball season. Washington Nationals found themselves in last place in the National League East. They had a record of 19 and 31. Sounds kind of like a Mariners record, right? Doesn't it? <laughs> we kind of keep that trajectory. The odds were against them, 3.8% of making the postseason. The odds of winning the National League pennant were only 0.1%. Um, uh, and while it seemed their big dream of a national championship season had slipped away, their manager, Dave Martinez, challenged the team with a simple start small idea that would become the team's mantra. Go 1-0 today. Game would come. Go one, Same speech every time. Go 1-0 today. And at that point, the Nats had nothing to lose. Why not go out, have some fun? The mindset took them all the way to the World Series championship. Just going 1-0 today. Win the day. I can't encourage you enough to dream big. My favorite podcast is Bob Goff's Dream Big podcast. I get to listen to once a week when I'm weeding or mowing or 
doing something around the house. But I, I look at, I listen to that, and I'm inspired. I want to dream big. I want my eyes on a big prize. But not all at once. You've probably heard it said to learn from your mistakes, but I got one better than that. Learn from others' mistakes. I often like to pick on myself while I'm sharing. Uh, I made a mistake in 2011 that I can look back on and yeah, I'd be proud of, but yet I, sh I should have learned from, right? And it was the motivation I had to get out, of the, get out of the house and be physical. I needed to put a date on it. I needed to dream big. I needed to start small, hopefully. And, uh, but that's what I didn't do. I dreamt big. I just ended there. And uh, I, I started putting the word out, hey, I'm going to... I'm going to do the triathlon in Bonnie Lake, the labor of love triathlon. It's going to get me off the couch. They were promoting it that year in the spring um, as the couch to try. It was a sprint triathlon, but I like to say triathlon because it's like three times harder. You know. Anyway, so I, uh, I, I, I put my eyes on the prize, uh, the Bonnie Lake labor of love triathlon couch to try was kind of the, the couch was part of the focus there for me. That's where I was at. And so I, I, I want you to learn from my mistakes. I felt good about the fact that I put a date on it and I could check that task off, you know, step one. But I, I didn't download a training schedule. I didn't quite process. I looked up what was involved in it and I'm like, I could probably work up to that, right? In the spring when I started sharing that I was gonna do it. Did I mention I have a, sm a small, tiny fear of drowning? Anyway, swimming in like an open lake that's cold that many people kind of don't get back out of. I was like, no worries. I'll float at least maybe, you know. So I, there was this thing in my mind. Well, two weeks prior to the race, really hadn't done any preparation for it that much. And I'd taken a few bike rides and maybe walked or jogged around my neighborhood a couple times, but I had not been on a training regiment we were on vacation at Mason Lake with our family friends, and my friend Jeff and I decided we were going to swim out to a buoy and back, and uh, I needed to start my swimming training two weeks before the triathlon, and this buoy couldn't have been more than, I don't know, what is it, 200 yards out, a couple football field links out, and, and uh, we... Maybe one football field length, it seemed like maybe 50-yard line and back. But to me, it seemed like a mile. And uh, we jumped in, and we were gung-ho about halfway out to that buoy. And then we had to breathe. <laughs> and things started to harden up, and we started getting a little tired. And uh, made it out to the buoy. The back part was a little rough. And by the time we got to the dock, both him and I, He's a few years older than me. We were dying on the dock. I'm laying on the dock staring up. I'm dizzy. I'm seeing stars and it's daytime. And, uh, you know, and I'm just like, how in the world am I going to swim in water way colder than this water and like live to tell about it when there's people coming up behind me and swimming over the top of me? I heard like all the swimming horror stories of triathlons as they release another heat of people every seven minutes. I'm like, man, if I don't beat that next heat, I'm going to drown. You know, so I was very, very fearful at that moment. I actually swam every day after that up to the triathlon. See, I actually followed through because I did a little secret step here in the middle of thought too. 
I went public. I had shared with people that I was going to do this. And that was, I got my ego involved. I was going to get in the water if I didn't get out, you know. Luckily, the swim was first, so I felt victorious no matter what, right? I remember that morning coming, and you write your age on your calf muscle and then your number on the other one. And, and I remember that morning going out, getting in the water, and the gun goes off, and I'm swimming, and, and I'm not, everybody takes off. I remember changing this swim to just kind of a back float. I'm like, all I have to do is live. I don't care if it's pretty. I'm going to make it out of the water. And then I heard the gun go off again. I'm like, oh, no. I hadn't even turned around to come back yet. And sure enough, I uh, was just buried. I was, I was deep in the water with people swimming over the top of me. But I discovered something in that moment that you could draft the other swimmers. I got in their draft and could backpedal the speed that they were pedaling. So it worked out well. I got out of the water. And then uh, I, and that for me was like the way I, I lived, I think was, but I had a goal to finish in two hours. So I transitioned to the bike. I remember going from the bike to the run. And I was, it was like concrete was on my feet. I had not trained adequately at all. Are you learning from my mistake yet? You know, uh, I just, I, I, I was, it was brutal, but the most brutal part of the whole day, it wasn't that I died. It was the fact that when I was like here to the back door of the finish line, trying to keep my legs moving, a girl just flies by me and on her calf muscle is the number 12, her age. She was like in the last heat to start, like probably how many seven-minute moments behind me, and she dominated me, and I was just like, well, at least I made it in an hour and 57 minutes. I was like, I was just dying. It was embarrassing because I just didn't prep. So if we're going to dream big, man, we have to start small. Learn from my mistakes. Put those three M's we taught a couple weeks ago, or was that last week? Meaningful, measurable, maintainable, goals in place, and work your way towards that big dream. Thinking long. Man, we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in a year. And of course, we also tend to underestimate what can be accomplished in a decade. We just put our faith in God. No matter what habits you're desiring to establish or get rid of, we need to start to think long into the future. What dreams can we chase after? Thinking long has helped me survive this pandemic. Uh, it's helped me know this too shall pass, right? I look at how people, I remember having conversations with people last April. I'm just done with COVID. <laughs> Wow, right? We got to think long. God's not caught off guard by what's going on in the world around us. Thinking long helps us tap into his mind eye for the future. Let's live a life chasing things worthy of passing on to our next generation, which means we have to plan beyond ourselves. Dream big, start small, think long. Man, if you ask me how I'd prefer to build a church, do you want a quick splash in the community that's real big and massive, hurrah? Or do you want to create followers of Jesus who are in a growing relationship with God that's truly growing deeper 
and more rooted and working on the life that they authentically are battling through. I, I want to do that. I don't want to create fame. I want to create faithful followers who will pass on their faith to their neighbors, to the next generation, and make a dent in the kingdom. We need more followers of Jesus. Thought three, if you want every day to count, count every day. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me daily. Every day matters. If you use the YouVersion Bible app, and you open that thing up, you can see that on the top of that app, there is a, once you get to the right screen, I'm messing with my phone now. This is live, and I shouldn't do this, because I'll, I'll see something, get distracted. Streaks right there, right? 622 days in a row, 124 weeks. Why is that important? Why did they put that there? What's important about your daily Bible reading streak. They knew that one day after another day, if they could develop a daily habit of somebody even just opening the Bible app, then they'll begin to read the Bible. And if we would begin to read the Bible, it's a keystone habit in our life as we talked about last week. It's important. Maybe someone understood habit stacking. That opening the Bible leads to reading the Bible, which leads to life transformation. Can you do it for a day, right? So we get our streak built up. We begin to build this discipline of Bible reading. Let me put a bit of meaning behind your day. It doesn't just matter to you. It matters to the next generation. Deuteronomy 6.1.3 says... These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commands me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren, right? Third, second, third, fourth generations should fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all the decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel. Be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Our action step is to fly the kite. And we got to realize that that first step makes not just a difference in us. It makes a difference in the next generation and the next generation the next string, the next rope, the next cable. We make a way for people to encounter God, to meet Jesus. I remember in 2011, I'll close with this story. I felt God calling us to go mobile out of necessity. We started in the Regal Theater and we ran out of money after nine months-ish there at the Regal Theater here in Bonnie Lake. And you know, we needed to go mobile. We stopped paying our staff and and uh, started brainstorming around, like, what are we going to do from here? There are no schools for rent at the time, but we knew we had to, to leave where we were meeting. We've not been this, this, is, this, this moment in Open Life's history is not like, a mo like we've been here before. This too shall pass, right? Thinking long. 
But in this moment in 2011, it was the first time we had faced needing to move. And we were trying to figure out what was next, what strategy were we going to go with, were we going to go home church, were we going to meet in a school. And I felt like we need to go mobile. We don't have anything mobile. We stored everything in the Regal Theater. So we bought a 7 by 24 foot trailer and all the containers, which you would think are made of gold, they're so expensive, that would go in this trailer to store all the stuff that we would then meet in a in a school with the the different the weird thing was we had a loose commitment of the possibility of a school existing <laughs> for us to rent and then we had nobody in the church that could drive the trailer we started casting the vision and praying for people to get a three-quarter ton pickup so they could pull a 10,000 pound trailer i remember shane who was on our team telling me i'd lost my mind that we bought the trailer before we had a truck to drive the trailer. Anyway, it was actually an answer to a bunch of people's prayer. There were a bunch of people in the church that were praying whether they should upgrade their pickups. And we uh, were that moment of breakthrough for a bunch of husbands that got to upgrade their trucks, right? So uh, they began to drive and here we are again this many years later, praying the same prayer for drivers so that someday when we're given a green light, we could meet again on a Sunday morning, maybe in a school, once we're ready. But I look at that moment and I go, we had to put a kite out there in the wind and see if we could get across a big chasm. And I don't know what chasm you're facing, but if we set a date, dream big, start small, think long, count every day, I believe God can get us across whatever moment. He can move whatever mountain is in our path. I want us to fly the kite. Can I pray for you? Will you stand as I pray? Worship team's going to come and close us in worship. But Lord, help us use the opposition in the world around us to fly the kite. It's those winds that build the tension that allow us to fly, right? May we value the ability you've given us by the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome Whatever mountain we're facing, to move that mountain by faith, to speak to the mountain, to go. God, I pray that you would awaken our faith in you. That you would allow us to be, put a date on whatever plans you've put in our spirit. And maybe you're reawakening dreams that are within us today. Maybe it's reaching back a ways because we didn't think long. We thought, well, that dream must be dead because it hasn't come to pass. But right now, you're bringing fresh life to dreams within us. And God, may you give us the courage to step into those, to start small and think long. In a lifetime, God, you could do so much more than we can ask or imagine. So God, I pray that you would fan that into flame again in our lives. We surrender to you. We depend on you. Help us fly the kite of the dreams that you've put within our spirit and develop this habit in so many areas within us. We surrender to you, Jesus, the Lord and Savior of our life. Let's respond to his nudge in us as we worship together.